issues because my mom passed away and we have all our things and I'm kind of sorting through all that and getting through all that. And I was putting away things that were Christmas things. And it made me really think about holidays. And we just, we just you know, went through Easter here not too long ago and how exciting uh, Easter is and how exciting Christmas is. And I'm, you know, I'm a grandfather, and my, and my grandkids all go to church here, and that's a wonderful thing for me. And Christmas is a wonderful time. And, it, and, it, and it's one of those holidays where I look at it, and it's, you know, I, I look at those verses, you know, where, where Christ is you know, called Emmanuel and God with us. And what a true treasure that is to just start to visualize that God came down from heaven to be with us. And then we get through Christmas and we kind of put away all that stuff and Christmas has come and then Christmas goes. And then we kind of wait around for a while and then we get into the Easter season. And the same thing happens. And, and I don't know how many of you were privileged to be here for a Good Friday service, but our Good Friday service here was a wonderful event. And I hope that if you weren't here that you were someplace. But Good Friday is a, a wonderful event, even though it's, you know, a gruesome event that took place. But something that was necessary for us. And God allowed, you know, that to happen. And so when Christ comes and He becomes Emmanuel for us and He's with us, and then we see Him and we see Him on the cross on Good Friday, and then Easter comes, and we're, whew, isn't that exciting? And then Easter comes, and it goes. And pretty soon, we now sit back, and we wait for the next big event. And the next big event to come for us in the church, you know, in, in, in denominational churches, and we don't probably, you know, and, but anyhow, raised in that sort of thing, is um, we will celebrate Pentecost. And Pentecost is, you know, the 50th day after the Passover. And Pentecost for us then will become an exciting, it should be a very exciting event because of what took place on that day. And then we, you know, kind of go through the church year and things, and we go through the Word. And one of the things that really started to stick out with me this year was, was Christ's resurrection. And how important that became to me as, as a Christian and as an individual, and I started to really look at myself as to what my, where my perspective was. And, and how do I celebrate that? And how important is that in my life? And how important that should be in all of our lives? Because it became a thing to me that it was the most important thing that Christ could have done for us. A few weeks ago, uh, Jeff taught on, it was finished in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, and in there, Paul talks about that portion of the resurrection. And because in the, in the Jewish people and, and in, in, and in, in, in uh, Greece, there are those that would argue the point of a resurrection. And so Paul writes about that to them, and he gets all through it, and he says, you know, if Christ hadn't risen, what, and he finally says this, and he says, and if it wasn't for the resurrection, then we would be the biggest fools of them all. If it wasn't for the resurrection, we would be the biggest fools of them all. Because we're going through life, we're here tonight, we're going through life, we're here on Sunday, we're going through life and, we, and we're following this, and Paul says all that would be in vain, it would all be in vain if Christ hadn't risen from the dead. It would mean nothing. This would all be meaningless to us. And it really set home with me about about Easter and what that really meant to me and what, what was going on with the resurrection. 
And why is that so important to me? And I don't know about you guys, but it was something that just engulfed my life for days after Jeff had taught about that. And it really started to sink home with me. And so I did, I did some other studies, and, and I looked at a bunch of things in that area, in that realm. And so tonight we're going to look at um, Luke chapter 24, and it's right after, right after Christ's resurrection. Things are happening. Things are exciting. I mean, it's not so exciting if you were one of the 11 that are left because you're bound up in a room and you're afraid. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know if they're coming to hit you and crucify you. You don't know what's happening anymore. All you know is one thing for sure. Christ was on the cross and he died. Christ was taken off the cross and he was laid in a tomb and a big rock was rolled in front of it. That's what you know. You've walked with him for three years. You've talked with him. You've ate with him. You've listened to him. You've seen him raise people from the dead. You've seen him heal people and make them walk. You've seen him heal people that make them see. And you've seen him do all these things, but you're afraid. Because the last thing you know is that he was laid in a tomb and the big stone was rolled in front of it. And that's all that you know. Because everything else hasn't become a reality to you yet. And as we read through Luke 24 tonight, it becomes more of a reality for us because we're going to see in there how the disciples engulfed that and what Christ did for them to, to, to raise them up, to make them realize how important the resurrection is and what it did for them and how it changes them and how it changes us. Because, like I said earlier, without it, our lives are meaningless. Our lives have no purpose. If Christ hadn't gone into that tomb and then came out of that tomb on his own, life would have no meaning for us. But with that and with him doing that, life has purpose and life has meaning because we know that Christ said, I'm going to a place and I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. I'm going to prepare rooms for you but I got to go there to go do that. And we look at those scriptures, you know, and, and if we didn't know about the resurrection, we look at those scriptures and go, what in the world is he talking about? But we know what he's talking about because with the resurrection, we have hope. And with that hope, we know that someday we will be with him for all eternity in that mansion, sharing those things, walking with him in the presence. I mean, I love the story. I, one of the things that I get, and I don't, know how much you know about me, if you know anything about me, but I teach, I teach our kids a lot. And one of my greatest stories is, is, is the creation. And I just picture myself in heaven, and everybody's got their pictures of what heaven's going to be like, you know, I picture heaven up in leading worship, and we can picture all kinds of things happening in, in heaven. But one of the things that I love is when God walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and that's what I picture is going to happen for Vern in heaven, that I will be for all eternity resurrected. I will be walking with my Lord every day in the cool of the day, and that he'll be in my presence for all eternity, and I'll be in his presence. And that's what I picture heaven to be. So is a resurrection important to Vern? Amen. I am just really excited because I'm going there, and it's going to be something special, and we should be excited about it. And if we're not excited about it, then we're, I think we're missing something. I mean, Christmas is great, Good Friday is wonderful, 
And all the other things that we celebrate, birthdays are great, grandkids are great, by the way, if you don't have any. But all those are are great, but they have nothing without the resurrection because that is the most awesome thing that God has given to us. God has given that to us in his son. So, we're going to start. Chapter 24. Chapter 24 is, we know it begins with the women going to the tomb. And the women are going to go to the tomb for one purpose. The women are going there, hopefully, they don't know how they're going to do it yet, but they're going to get the stone rolled away, and they're going to anoint Jesus' body with burial oils. So they've prepared these oils. They had to stop doing it on Passover. They go there on Easter. They're going there, and they're going to do that. And they arrive at the tomb to their amaze. There's two guys there in dazzling white clothing. If we could just picture that. I mean, I love visuals. If we could close your eyes and picture these two guys standing at the tomb going, hey, hey, what are you looking for? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why are you here? Because he's not. Check it out. Go in there. You'll see he's no longer laying in the tomb. And didn't you remember what he told you? He said, on the third day, I must suffer at these things by the hands of men, and then on the third day, I will rise again. Don't you remember him telling you that? And it says that they started to remember those things, and they came to their mind. And everything started to make sense to these women that were there, these three women that were there. I'm going to read you some verses. Verse 8. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. And that's important, by the way. And now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. And they did not believe them. And to me, that's just amazing. I mean, I talk to guys all the time, and I say, hey, if you had a chance to live any time frame in all of history, what would it be? Oh, when Christ was walking on earth, because that would make me a stronger Christian than I am today. These guys walked with him, ate with him, slept with him, worked with him, saw him do all these things for three years. He was there, whoop, he wrapped their arms around these guys. And these women come and they say, you're not going to believe what we just saw. You're not going to believe what was just told to us. You're not going to believe. And they didn't. They didn't believe it. They thought it was some sort of a tale. And they couldn't even imagine what these women were talking about. And everything. And, then, and in some, in some um, authorities will leave, you know, put in an extra verse in there and it talks about Peter going in. And he goes to the tomb, sees the same thing and returns too because he's marveled at that same sight. And so they go and they explain it to them, and they go to the 11, and they go to, and it says, into the rest. And that's kind of an important tale because we think about, you know, these 11 guys are just rock solid, rock solid guys. We saw them at the trial. We saw them at the, at the cross. We saw them, eh, not so much, not so much, you know, rock solid, not so much, but where would we have been? We've been any different? Yeah, probably not. I mean, I can't picture myself standing up and going, nope, nope, not guilty, nope, 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 not gonna, nope, don't crucify him. No, I think I'd be kind of like the 11, because that's our sinful man. But now we get to this point of not believing, and it says, and they didn't believe them. They didn't believe 
what they saw. They didn't believe what they had heard. They didn't believe the proclamation. And so in that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had just had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept for recognizing him. And he said to them, what is the conversation which, which you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still. And holding with each other, and they stood still looking sad. So we got two of the guys that, that are classified here. You know, we got 11 guys, you know, and we know who they are. And then we got what they classified as the others. And we got these two guys that were of the others, and they're walking away. They're leaving Jerusalem, and we're going to see why in just a minute. But they're leaving. Jesus has just come out of the grave, and where does he go? He goes and finds these two guys. Guys, if that's not encouragement, I don't know what is. He goes and finds these two guys. He goes and finds these two guys that aren't even in the, they're the others. They're the extras. But Jesus goes to them because their hearts are heavy. And they're walking away. And they're walking away from Jerusalem with these sadness. And it says, and they were sad because of what had just happened. They weren't excited. We should be excited about the resurrection. But it says, and they were sad about what had just taken place. But God sought them out. God sought them out. And we read a parable, you know, the 99 sheep, or the 100 sheep and 99 sheep, and we lose one. And what happens? And, and, the, and the shepherd goes after the one, and he comes back, and he wants to rejoice and have a party with all his neighbors because I found that one sheep. Guys, we read stuff like this, and we see Jesus. This isn't a parable. We see Jesus going after these two guys because of their unbelief. He goes after them to bring them home. He goes after them to give them hope. Okay, so we are on 18. And then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one, that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since this has happened. And moreover, some women of our company amazed us. And they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. And they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels and said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So we got these guys, and they're going, hello, we're not even seven miles from there, and you just appeared here on the road, and you're walking with us. You have no idea the big things that just took place? I mean, we can just imagine. I mean, imagine the sun goes away. Imagine the earth shook. Imagine people coming out of their graves. And then they say to Jesus, who's walking with them, are you the only guy that doesn't know these things? Are you the only one? Did you miss something? Did you sleep through it? Weren't you listening? Did you not have the 5 o'clock news on? Didn't you get a newspaper? Didn't you hear something? 
And it's Jesus walking with them. And Jesus says this. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and things concerning himself. And so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he appeared to be going further. But they constrained him, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. So when this guy tells me the other day, or the other evening at prison, he says, yeah, it was almost like, I can take it or leave it. You know, I've got faith, but I can take it or leave it if I open up God's Word. I can take it or leave it, and it doesn't really change things. And I don't know about you guys, and I don't know how many of you were raised in the church and went through Sunday school and learned about all those glorious, glorious lessons, not stories, but lessons that God had for us in the Old Testament. And here Jesus says, and he starts from the beginning, from Moses, and he goes all the way through the prophets and the Psalms, and he explains to them all the things concerning him, some 600 prophecies. 300. 300 prophecies. And all those things concerning him and the things that were to take place. And they go through all those. So is Scripture important? Amen. Is Scripture going to point these guys? Amen. Is it important in our lives? Yes. Yeah, it's important. Jesus himself uses it. Paul uses it. It's important for us. It's so important to get into God's Word and see what he has for you. The excitement in his word. I mean, you open up the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. You open up the Old Testament, and you start to read it, and you can see Christ in everything. And the more you read it, the more you understand, and the more times you go in it, the more different things that God will reveal to you. It is exciting. It is exciting to see what God and how he explains all these things to us and through those words and how powerful they are. I, I wish, and he wasn't there this last Sunday because I've been really praying that he would have been, but I really want to talk with him again and just how important it is to get into the word just how important it is to listen to what God has to say to us. Because Jesus himself takes these two guys and explains to them. Seven miles of walking, he explains to them Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets about all the things that were concerning him and why it was necessary for him, why it was necessary for him to go to the cross, why it was necessary. Why did he need to go? Well, it explains it in the Old Testament. Why was it? And he explains it thoroughly to them. It says, and then he goes in, and he goes in with them, and they constrain him to stay because it's not safe to walk around out in the dark there and all those good things. There's lots of robbers, and times were not a lot different 2,000 years ago than they are today. And they constrain him to stay with them and, and come in with them, and he does, and he goes inside with them. And it says in verse... 30, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. We had a chance to take communion this evening, and Jesus is with these guys. This is one of the first appearances that we see, and Jesus is with these two guys that were walking away. 
And Jesus went after them, and he sits down, and he breaks bread with them. And their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened to see who Jesus was. Wouldn't that just, we know, we know when we're in the presence of the Lord. I mean, we just know. And for me, it's like all the time. So when I sin, I mean, I just know I'm in this presence, and I just, I mean, I need to ask for repentance right away because I don't want to drag that out because he already knows because he's already seen me do it. So I'm in his presence all the time. These guys were in his presence. They were walking with him down the road for seven miles and hearing all these things. Their eyes are closed, and all of a sudden, their eyes are open. We had a guy in jail the other night that received Christ into his life, and his eyes were opened. And it was amazing. It's amazing to see these guys in jail when everything else is gone and Christ becomes a reality to them. And everything else is behind them. I mean, we see guys that, when he came in that night, I was just thinking, it's human nature. Human nature said to myself, oh, this guy's going to be a ridiculous pain. I mean, he comes in, he plops down, he's being cool, he's got his arms spread all over the place, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, why tonight? You know, the first service we had was just wonderful, and then you send this guy in the second service, and it's huge, and there's got a bunch of guys in here, and we got Mr. Cool over here in the corner. And that's our humanist speaking. And by the time God's word was shared with him, he was bawling and getting almost on his knees. He was so weakened by it. And realized just how much it was. So when, when our eyes are open to see the Lord for maybe that first time and really see him for who he is, for who he is. Remember, these guys walked with him for three years. Didn't really know who he was. But when our eyes are open to see who he really is and understand how great he loves us, then our hearts are just in joy. And this guy, the other night at jail, his heart was in joy. These two guys, his hearts were in joy, because this is what they say. Uh, 32, and they said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven gathered together, and those who were with them. So, they're seven miles from Jerusalem. And I was thinking about this the other day, about how that must have looked. I mean, you're seven miles away. You don't have, you know, your little headlamp things. You don't have any other modes of transit. These guys, I, I can only imagine, were running and stumbling down the road to get back to Jerusalem because they couldn't wait. They weren't going to wait for morning. Oh, we'll just hang out, get a good night's rest, get an early start, and we'll march on back to Jerusalem. No, it says, and they left right away. And they went back to do what? To share. When we see Jesus healing people in the Bible, what was their first reaction that they wanted to go do? Go and share it. Go and tell people what Jesus had done for them. And so we see that with with these guys. Their eyes are open, and it was Jesus. And man, they couldn't wait to get back to Jerusalem. They couldn't wait to get back and tell their friends. They couldn't get wait to share the good news that they had seen. I mean, we saw, you know, the Samaritan woman. We saw, you know, the man in the graveyard, you know, really nasty guy receive, you know, Christ comes into his life. And he can't wait to go share the good news. 
And these two guys couldn't wait either. And I could just imagine them running down the road, stumbling to get back to Jerusalem in a hurry so that they could share it. So they could share the good news, what they had just seen. And this is what they said to them. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were saying this, Jesus himself stood among them. And they were startled and frightened and supposed that they saw a spirit. And we, you know, you just picture that scene out on a, you know, when Jesus is in the boat, we've got the big storm going on, and Jesus comes walking to them, and it's the same assumption. It's got to be a spirit. Can't imagine that was Christ. Maybe it looks like him, but it's got to be a spirit. And here the same thing. Jesus comes into the room with them, just appears in the room with them, doesn't knock and say, hey, I'm coming in, can you open up the door? Appears to them, and they right away are frightened, still don't understand, still not getting it, and it's got to be a spirit. And it's got to be something that, you know, that these ladies saw. But can it be, really be Jesus? And they said to the, and he said to them, why are you troubled and why do you questionings rise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, and handle me and see me, for a spirit is not flesh and bones as you see that I have. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and wondered, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it before them. <laughs> Guys, if you can't say, that's Jesus, then you probably didn't walk around with him for three years. Jesus says, give me something, I'll show you. If this isn't enough, if this isn't enough, if, if this things in my holes in my feet aren't enough, if this big thing down my side isn't enough for you, if these things in my head aren't enough for you, if that's not enough for you, I, I, I walked around with you for three years, and maybe I don't look quite the same because I'm a little tattered for the, for the wear, but if you don't recognize me, you don't recognize my voice, then give me something to eat, and I'll show you that it is truly I. Give me something, and I'll eat it, and I'll show you this is human. I've come out of the grave. This isn't a spirit. This is human. Give me something to eat, and I'll eat it, and he does, and he shows them that he truly was this Jesus. And then Jesus says to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And their eyes were open unto the scriptures. I can just imagine that, that intensity in that room. I mean, all these guys, I mean, we're still, not, we're still not at Pentecost, we're still not there, we're still not all the way, but he says, and their eyes were open to the Scriptures. And I don't know when you became a Christian, but your first time that your eyes are opened unto who Jesus is and what he's done for you, the experience of that is joy, and it should be. And the experience of that should be joy and he says, and go and share it. Go and share it. Don't keep it bottled up. Don't do that. He says, go and share it. Go and share it. I used to love Matthew 28 and, 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 it, and the Great Commission. But then I started to see 
what Luke had to say here at the end of Christ's life. And how it opened up a little bit more different, different meaning to me than that. And how Luke says, and their eyes were open. And when our eyes are open and something good has been given to you, don't you want to go and share it? I mean, honestly, don't we, don't we want to just go share that? I mean, you should be excited what Christ has done for us. And we should have the joy and the excitement to go and share that with others. And at the command of Jesus, we <laughs> probably ought to really be doing it. But it should be out of a joy and an excitement, not out of a command from our Lord, but because of what he's done for you and what he's given to you and all the great things that have happened. So a few more days. He will appear to over 400 people in 40 days while he walks on the earth. He will eat with them. He will talk with them. He will let them feel his hands. He will share with them. And Paul will say, and go ask, go ask some of these guys who are still living there, you know, about this. You know, when we, we saw that in Corinthians, and, and these guys, Jesus appears to them so that they could share it with others, so that they could testify of those things, that this Jesus truly, truly, as he shows himself here, truly had risen from the dead, had resurrected. And resurrection then for us becomes that great hope that we have within us, that we too will rise from the dead, that we too will meet with him in heaven, that we too will meet him in the skies whenever he chooses to come back. And if it's not before that time and we pass on, then we will be just as the thief on the cross. That today we will be with Jesus. That we will be in paradise. And that's the excitement. Guys, I, when, I teach, when I teach your children, one of the things I like to really share with them is this. Guys, tell your parents. Tell your parents. When you accept Jesus Christ into your life, tell your parents so they know so that they know. Share with them the good news. Share with them what Jesus has done in your life. Go home and share that with your parents so that they know. Because there is great peace in that. There is great peace in knowing when our loved ones know, that when our loved ones pass on from this, this life, that we know where they're going. There isn't a great joy when we don't know. There just isn't. And so these guys now have been told, go and share it. Go and share what Jesus has done for you. Go and share what he's doing for you. Go and share what you've seen. Go and share these things. I'm sharing them with you. Go and share them with others. Share the scriptures. Show them what I have done for you. Show them. Be excited. Be of joy. He's got one more thing to say. Verse 48, you are my witness of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus makes a lot of promises to us, doesn't he? I mean, he says a lot of things. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this for you. And one of the things he says is, my Father, I've got to leave because I gotta, there's somebody else coming. There's somebody else coming. I'm going to send you a counselor. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you my spirit. I'm going to send him to you. But i got to leave for that to happen. i got to leave. And so Jesus says, go to Jerusalem. Hang out for a while. Hang out for a while. Because something great is going to happen in your life. Something grander is going to happen in your life. You have no idea. Your eyes were just open to the scriptures. And that's a lot 
But something even greater than that is going to happen to you shortly. Go to Jerusalem and wait and be patient. And they do, and we know what happens. And the day of Pentecost comes, and the Spirit is poured out on these guys. And they start to do tremendous works for the Lord. And it says, and 3,000 that very first day are saved and come to him in the preaching of the great sermon of Peter. Guys, it is just awesome to stand up here and to share with you that. Those are the things that have been on my heart for here the last few weeks about the resurrection. But take it home. Know this, that this Jesus, that this Jesus rose from the dead for you and for me and for all of mankind. It says that he would have none to perish, that all would come to saving faith. He would have none to perish, none. And so he went after these two guys on the road to Emmaus, two guys, two others, you know, two of the cast. But he goes after them to bring them back and to open their eyes up to him so that they would be saved. He could have just let them go and said, hey, you know, I got more important things to do, two guys, big deal, I got, I got a whole world to save. But he went after them. We don't want to leave anybody outside. And like I did the other night with that guy that came into the, our service at the jail, and I, just, you know, and I asked God to forgive me, obviously. To, that was a terrible thought on my part. But he would have none to be lost. He would have none to be lost. And we shouldn't pick and choose. If God brings somebody into our presence, we need to share that good news with them. Don't pick and choose. Don't pick and choose. God doesn't save the mighty and the knowledgeable. God comes to save that which was lost. That which was lost. Those that are in need of a physician. He came to be our physician. Amen? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity this evening to be here. That Lord, we can have your word just opened up and we just praise you for that. And We just ask that you'd be with our, um, <clears throat> with our members of our church as they are in Jerusalem right now and, and keep them safe and Lord, bless them through that. Be with Jeremy, Lord, um, make him feel better. I know he's feeling pretty ill tonight. And we just praise you for that. Just be with us now, Lord, and your blessings upon our church. In Jesus' your name, amen.